All right, welcome back to episode number two of the Torch Podcast, a Valley Stream North podcast. Just as a quick summary, a couple of months ago, I was sent this quote by George Bernard Shaw. I thought it was absolutely amazing, um, and it really inspired me to start talking to other people uh, to figure out who has held torches for them. That quote again is, life is no brief candle to me. It's sort of a splendid torch, which I've got a hold of for a moment, and I want to make it burn as brightly as possible before handing it on to future generations. And again, that's by George Bernard Shaw, um, fairish Irish playwright. But I'm sitting here today with a current faculty member of the month, Mr. Brennan of the Social Studies Department. Mr. Brennan, just tell us a little bit about yourself, how long you've been here, and what you teach. Been here 23 years, started in 2001-2002. I've been teaching United States history and government primarily throughout my 23 years. I had taught seventh grade for a time being, uh, and right now I also teach psychology as an elective. All right. So 23 years is a very good amount of time to be in one place. Last month I interviewed Miss McKiernan, who was kind of at the beginning of her career. Now I'm talking to you. You're not at the end, but you're, you're further along, and the end might be in sight, more so than it is for her. So the question I ask you is the same question I'm going to ask everyone who sits in that chair that you're sitting in, and that is... Can you tell me about someone that lit a torch for you and, and held it before you and then eventually passed it on, someone that inspired you? Absolutely. <clears throat> I'm not going to cheat and obviously go with family, discuss people that are important to me that would you know, it would be, be the easy way out. I'll pick for education. I have a couple torches. For education would be my 10th grade global history teacher, Dr. Robert Glatzer. He was inspiring. Uh, one, because he was uh, pretty much a, a Woodstock hippie, kind of okay. eccentric man. He was really... What does that mean? Because uh, I'm thinking of like the kids that are listening to this. What does a Woodstock hippie mean? He... <laughs> that's really hard to describe <laughs> now. Um, he was just somebody that came out of the flower child, love, peace era, um, who seemed like a nutty professor by the time I saw him. He's probably 40, 45 years old. And when I was 15, that seemed like 70. He seemed really yeah. old. Uh, however, his class was really fun, engaging, entertaining. Um, he had His classroom management was the way he was able to tell the stories. The history was interesting, so people were really involved. There was good discussions. And he motivated me to want to be a history teacher. But the same year in 10th grade was kind of a combined effect of torches was also my JV basketball coach, uh, Mike Massa, who was just a great motivator, really cared about me, pushed me. Had, he was really good at with positive reinforcement and giving you some negative reinforcement when you needed it. Mm. And he actually convinced me to teach. And he was the one who brought up teaching as a career because he, you know, he understood that I liked basketball and I liked social studies. I expressed my interest in those two topics when he was asking me about college. And he said I should consider maybe teaching and, and went down a list of reasons why he enjoyed being a teacher. Time off, getting to raise your family, if you're going to have kids. And once again, if you're really interested in basketball, you get into coaching, things like that. Did you ever, because I've known you, I mean, I've only been here seven years, but that is like only like maybe like a third of your time here. Were you ever a coach here? I coached here early on, not really by choice. I didn't really want to coach. I didn't see myself as a high school basketball coach. I didn't mind supporting a coach and being an assistant coach, but I did coach varsity basketball as a head coach for a year, and then I was uh, an assistant coach with uh, Miss Gray for four or five years for uh, girls varsity. So what do you think it was that these 
that these like two teachers like what do you think they saw in you that made them like take an interest that made you, um, them want to give you this torch mr glatzer dr glatzer he just liked me as a person we had a, a, a fun rapport what, where he actually motivated me was i became too much by my start of the second marking period my grades weren't reflecting i guess what he thought were appropriate for me and i was underperforming and I got to the point where I was a little too much of a clown in class. Mm -hmm. I started to blur the lines of what he thought was appropriate, and he just called me out in class one day in front in front of everyone, and he called me stupid. Mm. And it, he was right because I was acting stupid, and he was just so frustrated. But it hurt. It hurt me because I really respected him. Yeah. And because of him calling me out like that, I actually ended up whatever it did. Lit. lit it just turned on a switch for me with school where I started applying myself and that was the beginning of 10th grade by the end of the 10th grade year uh, they would give these kind of uh, end of the year awards and I hadn't I wasn't expecting this at all nobody had told me about it. it was a complete surprise but because of him calling me stupid I got I became so motivated and angry by him thinking I was stupid that my grade point probably went from like a 70 average at the end of ninth grade to an 89 and I got most, wow. most improved grades and it was largely because of him. He just kind of motivated me to do better. Very, I mean, I'm sorry that he, he'd called you stupid. No, I, um, told, I didn't feel bad. I wasn't <laughs> mad at him. I didn't yeah. feel offended by it. I was just, it hurt that I frustrated him because I respected him so much. So it was really, yeah. it was a positive motivator. Yeah. I think that that is a, um, that's a key component to this, like, this, like, torch-bearing process is, like, you someone gives you metaphorically the torch and you want to you want to keep it going but sometimes you drop it or sometimes you disrespect it and then when that person who you kind of like have this admiration for sees that and you know they see it, it, it it's a little bit of like a like a shameful thing inside oh, of you I felt ashamed and everything was great I, there was no hard feelings or we went on but it put me in my place and it gave me a little bit more direction so fast forward now, you've, you've gotten, in your 23 years here, definitely someone that has a, many students. Like, I mean, I see you in the library, I see you in the hallway. Kids are always high-fiving you. Kids want to be around you. You're, you're that type of teacher that kids are drawn to. Have you ever had a moment where you saw something in someone, and not, not that you maybe did the exact same thing that this teacher did to you, but where you were able to express like disappointment and have like a similar moment, but you're on like the other side of that equation now? I'm not, I, I don't know if I had that moment. I think more so, it's just been a career of, of, actually I would say, you know, it's funny that you bring up torches. I would say over the last 23 years, uh, the students of Valley Stream North High School from 2001 up until this moment have been like a torch uh, for me and especially I'm not sure if you're aware of this you know big O security guard I'm not sure if you heard of this but the students from years past when they heard that he was having an issue medical you know health issue I believe colon cancer they put out a GoFundMe and within three days they had upwards of $23,000 wow. raised for big O and I definitely had that in mind when you brought up this podcast and consider a torch. And I had thought about those kids because I've only had a wonderful experience with the students here. I had a lot of fun, a lot of talented kids, interesting kids, smart kids. And then to see as a community, I mean, people from 10, 12 years ago 
putting anything they could possibly put together for Big O and raise probably over about $24,000 now, that, that's definitely a torch. It's, it's motivating to know that you, you work with a great population of people. Uh, thanks for sharing, because that's, that's really cool to hear. He, I remember when I first, uh, when I was being interviewed, I think the only time I really met him was I was coming in on the day I was being having my demo lesson, and he brought me in from the front, like the front desk all the way to the main office and was like, good luck. And that was like my only interaction with him. It seemed like a very, very nice person. But I did hear of him like echo and reverberate, you know, in that time, which to me goes, if people are still talking about this guy, you know, three, four, five, six years after he's left the community, he had to have had like a giant impact. And I'm glad at least that you said that because, you know, things like that are tough to, it's tough to see or tough to know that that's like an aspect of this community that you have a bunch of kids that are, are in the past that are gone or kids that are still here, or people that are still here are rallying behind this person that was important, like such a positive force. I think that's a big part of like this torchbearing process is this, this, this positive effect on someone and that causes someone to pick up where they left off and to transfer that knowledge, which is a, it's, it's a beautiful thing. It's why I come to work every day. I think it's, it's an aspect of why you come to work every day. But I do want to talk about this social studies teacher because we kind of talked about your, your basketball coach and him seeing this in you and kind of giving you maybe a little bit of like what might be characterized as like tough love, but like something that you definitely needed that kind of like moved you in a better direction and got you a little more serious. But I want to talk about this other guy because he, what was his name again? Uh, Robert Glasser, Dr. Glasser. Dr. Glasser, because you are also, you're like a fusion of these two guys because you have maybe some of the aspects of the coach, but you also have a Dr. Glasser, like you are a social studies teacher. So what did, what did this teacher do to not only make you want to be a teacher, but like to devote your life to teaching history? I think, you know, life is, is it's a bunch of torches if you're lucky enough to have people in these positions. He was part of the process and, you know, he was like really a small part, but when it came to teaching, it was just enough to nudge me into wanting to teach and enjoy history. So I would think, I, I think I kind of try to model his storytelling method of history. Uh, that's something I've taken from him. My JV basketball coach, just an intensity, a desire, and will to succeed or at least see yourself as a, a better version of, of a basketball player. I didn't think when I was playing basketball I, I was necessarily good. And he kind of illuminated to me that I had a little bit more talent than I had and credit for my basketball that made me really succeed. And then I would say after that, the, my real, a major torch for me, the person that really changed kind of how I see and view the world would be a, a, a family friend and a high school uh, friend, his father, uh, John Schwartz. He was just a person who you could pick a hundred people out and a hundred people that know him would tell you this is one of the most impactful individuals that they had ever come across, just a great character person, how to live your life, how to treat others, how to be kind, how to be supportive, always positive. And that's really kind of the, the bright torch that brought me to this kind of world of teaching and how I want to see myself as a teacher, how I want to see myself as a, an athlete, a father, a friend. And I would probably finish off with him, John Schwartz, as being an incredibly influential man. Okay. The bright torch. 
do you speak to any of these people? Have you gotten into contact with any of them? You know, I would see Dr. Gladster. My, I have two younger sisters. I'm 10 years older, and I would go back to some of their events at school, whether they're performing or playing a sport, and I would see him. I'd always give him a hug and always thank him. I was always very, very thankful to be a part of his life. Uh, the, my, my JV basketball coach, same thing. I would see him from time to time over the years in that context, always very happy. Mr. Schwartz has, has passed on, but um, we shared many great moments. I actually have a, a very impactful email from him that every once in a while I read just, just to remember what a great person he was, the faith that he had in me. Uh, and just he had a way of just lifting you up, man. You're around Mr. Schwartz and you felt you felt like you were ten inches mm. taller, you know. That's you a know, that's a big order coming from a, you. A, a, yeah, for me. I mean, he just felt great. He just yeah. he was a, he made you feel like a superstar, and he made everybody feel like that. It's kind of crazy. You could have ten people in a room, and now all ten people feel like superstars around him. But that was kind of the gift that he had. He made you feel special. Wow. Can I tell you something? Because I like you were a friend of mine. You are like you graciously agreed to do this with me here. But you need to know, and I don't know, you're too good of a person and maybe too humble to actually realize this is happening, but I think that's how people feel when you come into a room as well. I think kids feel that way. I think staff members feel that way. When I say John Brennan to people, no one ever says anything other than like, oh my God, that guy's awesome. I'm telling you, that's Mr. Schwartz, because that's how he treated everybody. And even in my, he was, I played in high school basketball and college basketball with his son. So I had a unique experience of really six years, intense years with his son and his family. And I'm still very close with all my teammates today. And when you bring up his name, people, you know, they light up and they will express uh, what a critical role he played in their development from basketball player to young adult to young man. And he, once again, I, I tried to model that. I saw his behavior and I wanted to, I wanted to be seen like him. So that, that's like an, an amazing thing when like you have this, this model of like how to, how to be good, how to be a good, not just, not, a, not just a good basketball player, not just a good student, but how to be a good human being. That's a, that's a really awesome thing to find. I think, you know, we're always on the hunt for that. I know I'm always looking for that even in like, um, you know, as like my own roles, like it, I became a dad a couple of years ago and I'm constantly talking with people like you and, and other teachers here, just other adults that I, I've identified are like really good dads to keep talking to them about what they're doing to try to emulate that stuff. Um, and I think that that's, that's an important thing for all of us to continually do to to ask for those things of people and then also to recognize the people behind us to pass that knowledge down to them that we've kind of accumulated. Which again, goes back to this torch metaphor, which I love. Pass the torch. Pass the torch, yeah. So is there anything, um, anything else you wanna say about these three individuals that you, that you mentioned? Anything you wanted to say? Anything you left out? No, I think I covered everything. There's just so many people to talk about, but those are the three I thought that would fit this podcast. Nice. Nice. And like I said, just knowing you and seeing your impact here over the last seven years, I would go on and just say you are, if you took these three men and put them through a funnel and distilled out, I think you, they would, you'd get you, which is, um, seems like a really cool mix I appreciate of people. It. I'm glad yeah. I'm able to model them. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So 
We're about 17, 18 minutes in. We don't want this to go too terribly long. So like I always say, we want people to listen to it and then kind of like move on with their days. But as we've come to end every Torch episode with, we kind of move out of the more insightful and move more into the fun um, with a lightning round. So this lightning round are three questions that are all student generated. Um, I've asked around the library of kids who are, this time I kind of knew who I was interviewing today as opposed to last time I didn't. So these might be tailored a little bit more to you. So here we go, you ready? Ready. All right, question number one. And again, if you don't want to answer any of these, you just tell me, we don't edit it out, we'll stop. Like nothing needs to go. Okay, so it's the end of your life and you can have a dinner party with two or three people. Anyone you've known, anyone in history, who do you invite to that dinner party? Man, that is tough. Yeah. Um, they don't have to be currently alive. They don't have to be currently alive. Um, my grandfather, my father, and my son. Okay. That's really sweet. All those generations right there of Brennan men. Yes. Yeah. I was expect. I was wondering if you were gonna say like, I don't know, like your favorite historical figure would show up at that dinner. But you know, I think my brain was starting to go in that direction. Yeah. But I was like, damn, if this is the last time, I'd like to go back in time and have my son, my you know, just go th filter through all of us, yeah. all of us to be you know together. My son's never had that opportunity, so that would that's that's why I chose. See, that. that's what I mean. Even even in. This hypothetical end of your life, you can have everyone here. You're not thinking of like who you want to have. You want to give this gift to your son of like having the experience of all these generations that yes. he hasn't experienced. I mean, he's had such a a, a, a wonderful experience with my mother, but yeah. he hasn't had a chance to meet yeah. those others. Yeah, but I think that's it. Goes into who you are is that you want to you want to give that as opposed to. Being like, oh, I've never met Napoleon. I'd like to do it, <laughs> type of thing. I, I, I was thinking about that. First, we went to like Ben Franklin. Yeah, but that's it. All right. Question number two: What's one thing, and this has to be something you're willing to admit, so you don't have to like get too deep into this. What is one thing that you would change about yourself? Oh man, it could be anything. One thing change. One thing. That's hard. I think I'm gonna have to come back to that. Okay, we'll come back to it either at the end or in yeah, the future. Yeah, I might have to give me that. I have to let that know. Last, that. last one, and this one I think came from a few people that I think they've. Could I say how old you are? Do yeah, you mind? Sure. Okay, you are fifty. Fifty. Okay, so you're fifty years old, but you're you're energetic. You're. I know you have some back troubles, but you're generally in good health. You're always. You know, you work out. You do your. Like you're. You're in good physical shape. So I think a lot of our students wanted to know what are your top three health tips that you've experienced in your life that you would recommend to others. Now remember, you're not a doctor. We're not, not giving any not medical advice here. Don't listen to me. <laughs> yeah. I would say my health tips would be find a hobby or activity that you just enjoy doing that you don't have to feel competitive about, but it makes you active outside uh, in the sun and it's you, you it's something you'd rather do I don't know it's hard to say I would say, I would say I'm just gonna just go with an activity healthy activity outside 
exercising every day, whether it's push-ups, uh, walking, and then I would say I, I'm a big supplement guy. I think all my friends know that I love <laughs> supplements. I have a little bit of a problem with supplementation, <laughs> but I would say also taking supplements, in particular uh, creatine. Mm. Okay. I know you've shared some things with me that I've taken, certain yes, vitamins, things like that. It's probably slightly crazy. Yeah. I, I have an unhealthy relationship <laughs> with supplements. At least you're aware of it. Totally it's, yeah. it's, it's almost ridiculous. I'm, I would be embarrassed to show people my uh, my medicine closet. Okay. <laughs> like 30 supplements. Well, you know, it, whatever it is, I'm sure you've been doing some things, finding things that work, finding things that don't work. Um, but now we come back to it. It hasn't been too long of time, that question. One thing to change, I guess uh, sometimes for sure I get too caught up in my own world and I forget about perhaps being mindful of people very close and dear to me, my wife, my mother, my sisters. Sometimes you just get caught up in your own head and you forget just like the simple things to do just to be kind or even silly things, going to a person's house and coming with a gift or mm. something. Sometimes I forget, it doesn't cross my mind, and it could be just a simple gesture of showing that, demonstrating that you appreciate uh, someone. And when other people do it to me and they demonstrate an appreciative gest uh, gesture, I, you know, I get mad at myself, I'm like, God, oh, could you just maybe not be so selfish or self-centered <laughs> and kind of think in that mindset of just a simple gesture. Uh, so I, I try to do that, but I'm not good at it. And unfortunately, it's something my wife is poor at too, so we're always mad at ourselves. <laughs> like, you know, just be a little bit more thoughtful. I think that would be something I would change. Okay. All right. That's something I think you've got. You've got a... With all these supplements, you got a lot of years ahead of you. You got a lot of time to make so. headway on that on that ground. All and right. Before, and before we go, I would like to point out I do have an appreciation for what you're doing here. I think it's something that's positive for the school community. It's interesting, and it's you going out on a limb to do something to be judged or putting yourself out there. Something that's it's not easy to do, and I appreciate. Uh, the creativity and the respect that you have for your colleagues and for the student body to do this. I, I appreciate it and I hope it, um, I hope it, it eventually lights some, some little torches and we can, we can light up this whole world metaphorically. So. <laughs> well, John, thank you for sitting down with me for the last you know, half hour talking about these three individuals, answering these student questions. And thanks so much and keep that torch burning. I appreciate it. Thank you. Take care.